Now so for some insights in the news shaping the markets. For that, we welcome in Kevin Gordon, Senior Investment Manager at Charles Schwab. Thank you so much for being with Morning, us. Nicole. Four days. We could, in fact, see four days of gains. Yeah. Um, we haven't seen that since March. What do you think is driving at least some green arrows? Well, I think, uh, well, it certainly has a little bit of a different flavor, this rally, maybe for good reasons, I would say. But uh, before that, I think this is a little bit maybe of an exhaustive phase or kind of just a consolidation phase as mm -hmm. we get into earnings season. Um, you're seeing not as you know strong of reactions to some certain economic data, even though it's coming in worse than expectations. Um, even to the Fed minutes yesterday, there was nothing new to learn there uh, right. in terms of what we were hearing from Powell and the rest of the crew leading up to that point. Um, but we do have a little bit of a different flavor in, in these mini rallies that we've been seeing, and it's a, it's got a little bit of a growth tilt, um, and I would call it a, you know somewhat of a healthy growth tilt, uh, where, where some of those factors, high quality growth factors, are now outperforming, taking the baton a little bit away from value. Um, I don't know how much that you know how long that persists, but from our perspective, we're at least starting to see more signs that we're moving away from the sort of max inflationary fear part of this cycle and part of this market and then into the max growth fear part, which isn't good from a recessionary and a sentiment perspective, but it's at least getting us further into the next leg of the cycle so we right. can get closer to the light that's on the horizon. Right, and the idea about a recession and that um, wage growth and recession and that recession starts, but we have to wait for the wage growth to stop. Mm -hmm. um, we're getting a jobs picture on tomorrow. Yeah. What will you be watching for? Is that one of the numbers you'll be focusing in on? From the perspective of the Fed and inflation, certainly. Mm -hmm. And I think it's got to be, you know, it can't be too hot in the sense that you don't want the Fed to sort of get right. spooked that for some reason we're going to enter into a wage price spiral, which we're not seeing. But you also don't want it to be too cold where wages are going to be contracting um, while inflation is still running really hot because we still have negative real wage growth, um, even if you were to see a pretty stellar number tomorrow. Right. Inflation's still too hot. So I, I think that, but also, other aspects like labor force participation, making sure that that rate stays steady, because as soon as you start to see a drop off in the labor force, uh, that's when things get more worrisome for the broader economy. And with some of the job cut now, you know, announcements now picking up, courtesy of the data we got this morning, yeah. the little bit of a tick up we saw in claims this past yeah. week, all of that starts to add up to, you know, on top of each other and compound a little bit. Nothing too worrisome or sinister yet, but things to keep an eye on for payrolls tomorrow. Right, and you know, the question is, you said, you know, value versus growth and you know, we are getting a bid now, at mm -hmm. least for the moment, right? You're seeing um, a lot of up arrows. And the question is whether or not the worst of it is passed. Have we bottomed? Uh, you know, is this the, you know, bear market rally where everybody, it, basically they were, you know, selling the rips, right? right? Buy the dips, sell the rips. And every time we started to move higher, they would just sell again. Well, it, you know, in an aggregate sense, I wouldn't think we've sort of found a bottom yet only because we've, you know, right. really this entire year so far, even up until today, all of this weakness has been driven by multiple contractions. So valuations have gotten crushed, but earnings mm -hmm. hasn't been touched yet. So if you still think that earnings needs to sort of see more weakness, which we think the bar is still too high from what analysts are expecting for the second quarter, maybe even the third and, third and the fourth quarter, but just focusing on the second quarter for now, since that's the yeah. reporting season we're about to go in, if we get more weakness there, more you know, uh, certainly on the profit margin side and then to overall profits, that's where we could see the next leg of the market being driven by uh, to the downside. So yeah. once we get into that phase, it's a little bit better in the sense that we can again start to see what comes on the other side, uh, but not good in the short term because we're probably going to see more weakness for certain names. Yeah, and people should expect volatility. I mean, it doesn't just go away. Right. Um, that being said, I wanted to get back to the Fed. We're still mm -hmm. hawkish at this point, still saying that they're seeing 50 to 75 basis points as appropriate. Um, 
I, do you think there was some relief that it wasn't all 75 basis points, which could then turn into a full point? Do you think that somebody was happy somewhere that 75 is probably the right number, 50 to 75 versus 75 to a, to a whole percentage point? There's probably some comfort there. And I think now that you're starting to see some inflation indicators, whether it's in the commodity space, the supply chains, shipping cost space have rolled over considerably, mm -hmm. not to mention break-even rates across the spectrum, one through 10 years, even upwards of 10 years, have started right. to roll over. Uh, so the inflation expectation component has come down at, in a pretty market pace. Um, and that's the you know, the component that the Fed is looking at the most. They don't want expectations to become unanchored and then go wild. Um, even though inflation itself is running hot in the near term, right. they want to see those indicators roll over and soften. We've started to see that uh, gasoline prices, oil prices, you can sort of take your pick across the commodity complex. I think that certainly for the summer, uh, there yeah. was a little bit of relief that we're not getting to, you know, maybe a full point of a hike. Um, and then by the fall, if we continue to see this weakness in certain commodities, I think that it could maybe cause the Fed not to completely shift policy, but at least soften the language a little bit around how much of these 75 or 50 basis points hikes we're going to right, get. Right, right. And, you know, it almost felt sort of wild to see copper at new lows. It was down 24% yeah. in one month to see oil below $100 a barrel. Um, the dollar story is still a very, very important one, how strong the U.S. dollar is. Yeah. I mean, that also could pressure commodities. But, um, you know, you start to wonder what happens in Europe, what happens in Japan is, you know, the euro's at 20-year lows right. versus well, the dollar. That's a, It's an important story for the globe, but especially for the U.S., because one of the most positive offsets we've had for higher inflation is the strong dollar. Right, right. But it's a little bit of a, of a bittersweet development, I would say, because as it does guard against a you know, higher inflation, uh, it's going to hurt companies that have, you know, a majority right. of their profits overseas. Um, so as you get a stronger dollar, it's going to weaken a little bit. And some of the mega caps actually had noted that in their, pr their prior earnings releases. And then we'll see how that continues to affect it because the dollar's been so strong. Yeah. But to your point, it's sort of the, the, the safest haven from a currency perspective to jump into right now, given what's going on around the world. Yeah. And I mean, I think that we're still in a very high inflationary environment. Um, the jobs picture may soften a little, mm -hmm. right? Um, but we'll see whether or not, you know, we'll get some relief, relief at the pump, relief in the stores when you're buying your food and such. You know, in the takeaway of, of an investment portfolio, you have to be diversified. Absolutely. But even if you had stocks, bonds, and cash, you lost yep. across all the metrics. I mean, is there any sort of takeaway thought here for investors? Well, diversification in a stock and an asset class perspective, but I would say, you know, to the extent we're just talking about the equity market, given that's that's my yeah. main focus. But, um, you know, if you take a sector like energy, for example, so for, for the better part of a year, maybe a year and a half now, we've been arguing rebalancing more on a volatility-based uh, basis versus something that's calendar-based. Right. So if you look at something like the energy sector, unbelievable performance year to date still, but at its peak was up 65%. Yeah, well, right it now amazing. it's down 30%. Exactly. I mean, names like Halliburton and Schlumberger and Debbie, right. they're all down over 30% yeah. in one month. And that's my point exactly, is if you were sort of trimming into that strength on a volatility basis, yeah. and now you're adding into some of the weakness, it sort of played on both ends. Right, um, and you Because you've gotten oversold. Exactly, you've gotten oversold. You've also gotten from a fund flow basis, uh, flow, you know, money has come out of those funds yeah. uh, to a yeah. significant degree. So it's just a kind of a way to think about, you know, I'm not specifically advocating the energy sector itself, but you can apply that lens to sort of any space um, sure. in, within a portfolio, and it's worked out pretty well for the past year. Great to see you, Kevin. Thanks, Thank Nicole. you. A good, good setup you. for today. We appreciate it. Kevin Gordon of Charles Schwab. Thanks for being here.